0: Welcome to Question Mark, the podcast, exploring the greatest story ever told with open minds and open hearts. Light it up, we won't come down, and the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show where it's covered in all the colored lights, and the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show.
1: Hello, and welcome to Question Mark a fortnightly podcast about the greatest story ever told, Mark's Gospel. Whether this is the first episode you've listened to or you're a regular listener, you are very welcome here. My name's David Payne and I'm your host for this, this, the 27th episode of our journey through this extraordinary tale, which is surely as relevant to life in the 21st century as it was to first century believers. Well, today it's my great pleasure to introduce our special guest, Caro Mears, uh, all the way from Sydney, Australia. Caro is pastor at Central Church Port Kembla, I believe, near Sydney and yes. a part of a pioneer group of churches in Australia. Uh, we have some mutual friends, I think, who visited your church, but neither of us has met you. So uh, it's lovely to have you here, Caro. And I'll yes. let introduce yourself in a sec. And Stephen Smart has uh, recently started performing again and is looking forward to appearing uh, once again at the Edinburgh Fringe in August. He had this great idea of invent- inviting friends. From many different backgrounds to meet up and chat about the life of Jesus as presented in Mark's Gospel which I hope you're enjoying as much as I am. Well we'll let the guests go first so Caro how would you would you like to start by saying a bit about yourself and maybe what it's like being church in Sydney and leading (laughs) no not leading but you used to lead and being part of Pioneer Churches in Australia.
2: Yeah well it's so good to be with you guys today and um, yeah, so I I live and I work and I play on Dharawal country, which is the indigenous um, nation of um, the part of the land that I live on. And um, I just, yeah, I want to acknowledge, you know, the elders past, present and emerging as mm. um, the traditional custodians of the land. So that Dharawal nation extends south of Sydney. And um, so I'm part of, I mean, Wollongong, that's the. It's actually an Indigenous name, but that's the, the city that I live in. And I have um, three kids, two girls and a boy who are 11, 12 and 9, and a mad cycling maths teacher husband. Cool. And, um, yeah, I lead a, just a, a church that I, I call it like a beautifully ordinary church um, full of wonderful people, just seeking to do life together and to um, embody Jesus in their world and been leading that church now for about 12 years and it's a great privilege and um, yeah so that's a bit about me.
1: And how do you come to be here? How did we get hold of you? I
2: think Billy Kennedy is our mutual connection originally so I've actually been over like our, our we've been connected with the party Network in the UK for many years now and I've been over to a couple of their um, conferences in well pre-COVID since when travel was was possible and um, so it's been great to meet so many people from that network who I've developed really rich friendships with and some have come out to Australia as well and so it's just a beautiful connection of like-minded people across across the world so and i'd actually heard of you steph like and i'd heard of the um i am mark production just in my connections there i'd heard people talk about it and i just i remember thinking wow what a what an amazing thing (laughs) someone can (laughs) memorize
1: the whole thing so yeah oh it's lovely great to have you well that's a nice lead in isn't it steph do you want to just update us a little about a little bit about where the iron mark journey is at the moment Yeah, so as you said earlier, David, um, the tour
3: has started again. Uh, COVID has been a little bit of a kind of pause button, uh, but now things are relaxed a little bit in in the UK. Um, People are more keen to come into church and to watch events. So I've just come back from a tour of several churches around Easter time, and it was an amazing experience, actually, to be out, as it were, treading the boards again. Um, Not so much for... The, the fun of doing that although it is huge fun but also meeting so many lovely lovely people it's so great to be part of God's wider family to get to understand that we're all on the kind of the same page we're all looking to do life beautifully as Caro just said and um you know it's really it's really exciting um, yeah there's much that's going to happen in the next few weeks um, I'm going off to california on holiday fairly soon but while i'm there i'm doing a performance in san anselmo which is going to be in a, in a greek orthodox church so that will be a will be a first and um then there's there's um, lots of things going on with pr at the moment i'm trying to ramp up my kind of profile with the help of a pr company so that's kind of new and scary but also very exciting and then edinburgh in august that's edinburgh it yes and... which i believe you'll be a coming with me really on that trip, really which is yeah me too it's going to be a wild extra, extravagant experience as edinburgh always is mm. but this is going to be in a in a bigger theater than before on the royal mile as well so right. um yeah it's going to be for nine nine
1: days so that's quite a long run but Have you had to relearn all the words over this time or have you just been uh-huh. do you sort of keep it up to date yeah and i kind of have to
3: go back and kind of revamp it it's oh. not it's not a hard process however because it's it's okay. been sitting in my memory bank for a while so um, long-term memory yes that's <laughs> it
1: so uh, yeah it's good fun actually trying to relearn as it were great it's a good script to learn isn't it mm. so It's great to have you both here and uh, in recent episodes we've had some really exciting stories with Jesus feeding feeding 5,000 people, then walking on water and healing everyone who touched his robe. There will be more miracles in future episodes, I promise, but for today our title is That Which Defiles and I hope we're all looking forward to getting to grips with this passage and if you, as you listen to this podcast or watch it on YouTube, would like to comment on what you hear, we'd love you to join in and share your thoughts about the passage on social media, and especially in the I am Mark community on Facebook. Well, today's passage from Mark's Gospel is going to be read for us by our good friend Lucy Warner. Over to you, Lucy. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to
0: 23, New International Version, that which defiles. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honour your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? he asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean.
1: Well, I thought we could uh, break the passage down into three sections today. But first of all, I wonder whether um, Caro, maybe first, and Steph, could we start by talking about the context of, of this passage and when it was written?
2: Yeah. Um, oh, I don't, I don't know. Well, it's I don't know what I'd say about when it was written, but I think the context of the idea of the legality of this like the 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 codes that are at work in the Jewish culture that were very present um, at the time of Jesus when these these events are actually being recorded for us but are still actually very present in the the Jews and the Gentiles and the way they're interacting in Mark's actual community that is writing this for and so both the listeners um of the the book and the people at the time of Jesus were both probably experiencing some of the same cultural dynamics that were at work that we're that we read about in this that can be a bit confusing for for us um in our context as we just don't probably experience the same cultural rules and the same purity codes the same old testament laws that you know, are surrounding this, so it can be. I think it can be a little bit hard to access for some people if they're not very familiar with some of the the Old Testament background to this and why the Pharisees were so keen to uphold the law. Um, yeah, and I think some, you know, like like you know, we've we've chatted about like we can caricature the the Pharisees as the bad guys, but like from what I've understood is that their heart. Their heart behind it was in the right place, even though that the, Jesus is really confrontational to them because mm. they were wanting to do what was right by God. Mm. They just didn't understand who God was. Um, so they, they're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to keep Israel pure. They're trying to keep Israel close to God. They're trying to make sure no one is sinning and transgressing God's laws, but they're kind of going about it in all the wrong ways. And I and I think that that's because... Well, I think they primarily thought that that's what God wanted, a pure, blameless, holy people. And, Mm. you know, there's language around that in in the Bible for sure, but I think they're missing the mercy and the love and the compassion of God in the mix. And so Jesus is often quite confrontational um, to the Pharisees, but I often have a bit of a soft spot for them because I do think that they're trying to do, like, and I think about myself and I think, oh, I'm often trying to do, What I think is right, but I can recognize that I often go about that the wrong way. And so I have like I feel like I can have a compassion for the Pharisees. Um, So, yeah.
3: Do you find like I do, Kara, that we can major on the minor things and minor on the major things in Mm -hmm. our in our zeal to follow Christ?
2: definitely yeah and you know we um, we grow and change over time too don't we and I think often the trajectory of our faith journey um, we often start in more black and white places and that's appropriate for 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 the for the early stages of our faith journey but but we're also encouraged I think to move beyond the rigid mm. black and white Thinking. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the Pharisees really do embody some of some of that kind of stage of faith. I think it's very yeah. black and white, very in and out, yeah. very yeah. right and wrong. And there's a place for that. But I think God's always calling us forward into freedom. Um, and we see that happening in this passage as Jesus is calling people forth into freedom and outside of exclusionary frameworks and purity codes and right and right and wrong in a sort of cultural sense, but they they can't see it because they can't see jesus i think for who he was
3: so yeah yeah i, I think that's an amazingly eloquent and helpful Kara, what you just said i think i've got very little to add in terms of context but i think the one thing i've mentioned is as you say the pharisees were trying to do the right thing there's a there's a distinction being made in this passage isn't there between what's the written law the law of moses and mm. the unwritten codes that kind of been built on afterwards which i guess the pharisees took as god's word but it isn't in the same way Um, they're kind of interpretations of the law of moses in some ways Mm. um and jesus is clearly underlining the fact that there's something called tradition and there's another thing called god's word or god's law Mm. um they're not necessarily the same thing but the pharisees probably took them as equally valid and, and important and i think my my my, my understanding of the Pharisees is they were, as you say, doing it from a good place, um, thinking about how Moses' law could apply to not just what happens in the temple, but also to the whole of Israel's community. Mm. So it's like taking the laws of the temple about washing and so on and ritual cleansing and making them applicable to everybody. So that, that's the kind of the idea behind the tradition. Um, so this, this washing wouldn't necessarily be written in the law, but it's what they interpreted it as Mm. is being helpful for everybody. So we all know exactly who's, you know, who's in and who's out. And that's quite important
0: because
3: for them at that time, it seems that they would have been under some threat from outside influences, you know, the kind of the Greek ways of thinking, the Romans having invaded and so on, Mm. you know, they're wanting to establish what is, what is Israel? What is not Israel? Um, mm. So that's that part of it, but also, as you say, it's about establishing holiness, as it were, mm. you know, God asks, God demands, God commands us to be holy. So how can we do that? How can we put this
1: in practice? And this is their answer. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to hear you standing up for the Pharisees. Jesus was obviously a very, had a lot of harsh things to say. So in this first section, Jesus asked why the disciples weren't following the tradition of the elders. And um, this is a question from a listener in Africa, actually. So it's a very international program today um, who contributes to Mark in our Facebook group. The passage says some of Jesus' disciples were not washing their hands. It's possible that Jesus was following the strict rules, but respected and even strongly defended their right to choose how they responded to the rules. And she thinks this says a lot about Jesus' relationship with his disciples. And wonder what you think about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm always definitely on the side of Jesus being the, the most amazing, gracious, and compassionate man. And I do think this passage, it does say, actually, I think so much, it's a bit of a separate, So much of this passage is funny. I see a lot of humor in this passage. And I don't know if this is the only time Jesus does a toilet joke. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. Like
2: yeah. My nine year old son would love this bit about, you know, it's what comes out of your body that makes you unclean. Like it's, that's a toilet. I don't know if they laughed at the time, but just even the start of this passage, the idea that yeah. like said, so, Jesus and his disciples, they're they're in um, well, presumably they're still in um, Gennesaret, like that's what where they were the time before. Yeah. It's a fairly large distance away from Jerusalem. Yeah. These Pharisees have travelled all the way from Jerusalem to to yeah. to, to, try, to kind of like trap Jesus in. In they've heard that he's breaking the rules and he has been breaking the rules all the way through Mark, we see Jesus systematically, he touches a man with leprosy that makes him unclean, he forgives sins, nobody can forgive sins like he can't go around forgiving sins that's the work of the temple and Jesus is taking away the work of the temple, he's eating with sinners. he or his disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath and eating it. He's touching a dead a dead body, like, a you know, the dead girl. If you touch a dead yeah. body in Jewish law, you're unclean for seven days. And he touches a woman who is perpetually unclean because she doesn't stop menstruating at all. And, and if you're a woman, you're just unclean one quarter of the time anyway for just being yeah. a woman. So yeah. Jesus has been breaking laws left, right, and centre. And these yeah. Pharisees travel, what, 80, 90 miles on foot to... To confront, or it's like this climactic scene. That's quite funny because the only way the Pharisees would know that Jesus's disciples haven't washed their hands after coming in from the marketplace, he said they've been following them, yes. like stalking yeah. them, like little, you know. Yeah. I could, I mean, it's characters. You can imagine these little spy Pharisees, like. Picking out Jesus' disciples, following them in the marketplace, see what foods they touch, see who they interact with, and then following them all the way to wherever Jesus is, and having like beady eyes on whether or not they wash their hands. Like it's, it's hu, it's quite humorous in its, um, in its thing. So I think like whether or not Jesus himself was participating in this exact event about. Being clean or unclean, it's pretty clear that Jesus, all the way along, has been participating in unclean activity. And you, you are not supposed to do that. And certainly, as a rabbi, you know, setting an example, people following you, if you are flouting the rules, you're giving permission for everybody else to flout the rules, too. And so I think that, you know, the Pharisees are trying to get at Jesus through his disciples because. Maybe in this particular instance they didn't see Jesus break the law, but they saw his disciples do so. So they're going to try and nail Jesus based on that. And um, but it is—it's got—it's it's humorous in the way that it's sort of dramatically like Mark how Mark writes it. I think there can be a lot of fun that you you have with this. So I, yeah, I think that. Yeah, Jesus is—he's been breaking the rules, and his disciples have been breaking the rules, and that this event is the, the climax of this clean, unclean, holy, unholy mm. stuff Jesus has been doing all along. And um, yeah, it's going to come to a head, and Jesus is mm. going to confront it. I think so. Yeah.
3: Really, yeah. what are your thoughts about that, stuff yeah, yeah, I think absolutely, one hundred percent behind what Kara said. I, I'm not convinced, if I'm honest, by the uh, the questioners inference that jesus is kind of sticking up for his disciples okay. in a way that would be kind and and supportive because that would take away the whole point of the rest of the dialogue here uh jesus clearly has got other motivations in mind uh, but i totally uh, totally take on board it was nice to think that jesus is like that but and yeah. it's quite a modern perspective but I, I don't think really from the passage that is um that's what's going on um yeah. It's interesting that some of, some of the disciples are eating food with unclean hands, but, which is, I just hadn't noticed this before, actually, um, before I kind of prepared for this podcast. So it's not all of them. But um, nevertheless, I think Caro's absolutely right that, you know, the Pharisees are looking to get at Jesus through this. This is, this is the climax, as she says, of a load of controversies it is interesting that these guys, some of them are from Jerusalem, so the teachers of the law from Jerusalem. It does seem like they're kind of specially sent to hound him, to find him out, to bring back information about him. It feels like, you know, we as you say, Caro, coming to a climax. It's more, it's almost like a coming to a climax of a confrontation with Jerusalem, actually, or in Jerusalem. So this is kind of preparing us for the next half of the gospel, which is all about the, mm. the you know, Jesus's kind of difficulties there and in his, in his trial and his execution. Um, so yeah, um, that's all I wanted to say really, but yeah, good. Mm.
1: Okay, in the second part, Jesus answers the Pharisees and he answered that they've let go of God's commands and followed human traditions. You've kind of started to, uh, to answer that. Um, do you want to add anything to that?
3: Should kind I go of, first on, on yeah on yeah, that? Yeah. So I, th- I think this whole idea of tradition is quite important. I mean, as Cara was saying earlier, it's, it's easy to put the, the class the Pharisees as the baddies of the piece, but actually they're they're looking to do the right thing. And actually, it's more important than that. You know, they're not getting shirty with Jesus just because he's Jesus. They're getting shirty with him because he's doing something which they which they can't understand. Mm. It's like, you know, the way to connect with God is this. This is how you connect with God. This is how you live a holy life. Mm. Um, you are doing something which is totally different to how we want to help people to have a holy life. Um, you know, we're trying to build relationship with God. What you're doing is flouting all of that stuff. So it's not just a matter of you're not keeping your hands clean. This is all very much important about ritual uncleanliness this is the the key to their kind of their faith so it's it's important to realize that when they think about these traditions they're actually thinking about the ways in which they can serve israel actually Um, Um, now having said that i'm not saying that there aren't spirits among them who are kind of using this as a means of their own personal kind of um Glorification, you know, because if you if you're the lawmaker, the, the temptation is to try to control um, for your own purposes as much as it is for good reasons as the ones we've outlined. So there's this element of abuse of power here that could be at work, but it's not clear nevertheless, necessarily from the passage. But it is it is worth mentioning, because I think when we do have traditions uh, which aren't necessarily completely tied up with what god's view is um what we what can happen is that uh, you know authority authorities can take control in a way that's not actually helpful to anyone else except for themselves so there is that element of it and jesus might come across here as kind of usurping their authority potentially you know they've had a lot of they're, they're wanting to exert authority and they're not necessarily doing it completely otherwise there wouldn't be people who are, uh you know sinners so they're, they're not necessarily winning the battle but they're wanting to do it and along comes this man who completely sweeps away or everything they're trying to do from under their feet mm-hmm. and it takes away their sense of you know who they are their purpose in life and their sense of authority as well um, mm-hmm. you can understand why they get upset
2: yeah, and it really is like I think it's easy to forget that the Pharisees as well were living under Roman occupation. Like the the, Jew, the Jews as a people were not an independent people. Like they'd suffered um, immensely in their history and were still suffering under the boot of empire. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have had so much autonomy stripped away from you as a person, you tend to latch onto the only thing you can control. Mm-hmm. And in some ways the only thing that, you know, the, the the Jewish people could control was the temple, and even that had been, you know, um, invaded at different times. But I, so I understand how why they're holding so tightly to culture to tradition because, in some ways, it's all they've got left. They don't have land, they don't have the rightful king. They're hoping for a Messiah, but he hasn't seemed to appear yet. So they' I I get it. Like you know, we we do that as humans too. When we lose control, when we feel out of control, we just tend to latch onto. Concrete things because they give us comfort. I see the Pharisees doing this, and, and Jesus is wanting to love them out of that too, like to to love them towards a freedom and to love them towards Yahweh as Yahweh is in lo- in love and compassion. But you know, we we don't always go go easy with Jesus. Sometimes he, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's interesting is
3: but it's interesting you say, you know, he's loving them. I I totally agree. <laughs> And when I portrayed it right. you, you know, to the best of my ability, it's not an easy job, uh, obviously, but I try to give that sense of unconditional love for, to whoever he's talking to. But even having said that, this passage, he gives them a bit of a hard time. He, the words he uses from Isaiah are kind of quite stern, aren't they? Yeah. And I'm, I'm just wondering why, why he does that. I guess it's possibly because he's, it's not that like he's under personal threat at all, but if people are challenging him in public, um, and it being a kind of honor-based society, you can't just stick by and say, "Oh yeah, no problem." You don't say what you like. There has to be an element of, "No, okay, you you have actually got this wrong, badly wrong," is what he's what he's saying, and he's trying to get command of the situation again, not in an unloving way, but nevertheless, yeah. there's that sense in which. Hold on, um, you know, actually, I'm the authority here, and this is the his view all the way through, Mark. You know, I have the Son of Man has authority, uh, and I can show you why I have authority here. So he's he's not beating about the bush.
2: No, so, and so it's like tough
3: he's
1: tough love, then really, isn't it? It's it's being tough, it's, and, tough, but yeah. loving them in that way. Don't yeah. carry.
2: And he's speaking their language like they, they're the people of the law, they're the people of tradition, and he just pulls out quote after quote yeah. He's using. He's speaking their language. That's an act of kindness. You know, right. you have the law. Let me speak the law to you. And I'm reminded of like the. You know, we're recording this post Easter, and you know the 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 resurrection stories and Jesus walking along the road to Emmaus with the disciples, and he unpacks the scriptures and points. This is where you see me. This is where you see me. This is where you see me. And their eyes are opened. But I see a similar thing happening at work in this. Like the Pharisees are reading their scriptures. And they know their scriptures and they know the law, and yet they cannot recognize God in person when He's standing in front of them. And I think Jesus is is trying to help them see what the Old Testament was pointing to all along, like pointing to Him. Like what what's what was Moses about? What was the law about? What was Isaiah? It's about Me, and I'm here among you. And and so I think it's it's that too. He's always trying to help people see. What they haven't seen before in the same scriptures, he's just got different eyes, and so I see that at work. He's yeah, speaking yeah. The language, trying to open them up, trying to open their minds, trying to help them see. Yeah. Um, And he he does that to us too. And it, and I guess it's you know this is what happens at the end of every parable: He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And it's like, do we have ears to hear? Even if what we're hearing is what we want to hear, or yeah. it's that's that's the goodness of Jesus, I
1: think. Yeah, so. that's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay so Jesus goes on to talk to the crowd and the disciples now having had a had a go at the Pharisees or had shown them some love and finally mm-hmm. he explains what really makes people unclean it's about our hearts and not what we eat mm-hmm. and um, another listener question is that when Jesus says nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them rather it is what comes out of a person that defiles them the toilet joke again <laughs> Does this include other things than food, like books or TV, social media, or the company we keep? He asks. Cara, do you want to? Can I can I start this? Because I think
3: I'm not sure that's a good reading. What you just said there, David. Um, It's not what I think. Jesus makes it clear that actually, uh, it's what comes out of the heart that defiles them, not so much what comes out of the body. So the toilet thing uh, is really interesting, and, and you know maybe we can return to this. But the toilet thing is. Uh, he's basically saying, you know, the food goes in and it comes out. So, yeah, it's not, <laughs> not that it's not the toilet that makes anyone unclean. There's nothing in Jewish law or tradition that says excrement is going to make you unclean. It's just not there. So, yeah, it's more about the heart, isn't it? It's more about what what we have within us in our in our heart. That's the issue. Uh, And that comes out from us. It doesn't go in to us.
2: Mm. Yeah, and I think I would would comment and say that I think it's easy for us uh, in our Western culture to read passages like this and to read it with the idea of, okay, so now what have I got to do? Like, if Mm. I'm a follower of Jesus and Jesus says I need to be pure, what do I need to do? And then I can fixate on pure activities or impure activities and maybe write a list. But I think that's missing. For me, that's missing part of the point of the whole passage, which um, like all these purity laws that were set up um, and they come from the Old Testament, they're all about access to the temple or the tabernacle or, or God's presence. And they're all about who was allowed to have access and who wasn't allowed to have access. So I think sitting underneath the the surface level thing about purity, what's pure and what's impure, is more about a a question about who's included and who's excluded. And I think this is what Jesus is pushing into because what he is confronting the Pharisees about is the sheer numbers of people they're excluding from the presence of God, from the temple, from access to to worshipping God because of nitpicky rules like and it is nitpicky you kind of read it in in the um uh in verse four where it talks about all that like in this they've washed this and washed that and i mean that's an extreme version of the rules i don't think any very few jews i think were able to actually do that because they're living almost in a multicultural society they go out of the house at any point they're in contact with unclean people and objects and if they had to wash all the time it's it's just impossible and so i think I think Jesus is pushing into, yeah, who's excluded by our rules? Who's excluded by our cultures? Who's excluded by our traditions? Like Jesus, throughout all his ministry, is modeling this radical inclusive hospitality centered around the table. Everybody is welcome at the table sinners, Pharisees, Sadducees, followers, not followers, foreigners. Everyone gets to eat with Jesus, but that breaks all the rules. Yeah. Um, so we can focus on the rules or we can focus on the fact that the table is open to all and that Jesus is pushing us into quite uncomfortable zones of who do we exclude. So I think the better question is not what, do, what can I do or what can't I do, what can I watch, what can't I watch. Like, that, that's a fair question. I think we all have to face that now. But, like, actually, who's excluded? In my mind, from God, who is not welcome, or who might I say is welcome with my mouth, but with my actions is actually not welcome, or, you know, so many churches have like, everyone's welcome, as a sign, you know, all welcome, but really, that's not true. Yeah. When you get into culture and tradition, yes. you discover that there are certain people that are very much not welcome or they're only welcome if they adjust their behaviour in order to fit, which is just another version of the clean and unclean, pure and impure rules. Yes. And, um, yeah, and so we I think we're seeing that at work underneath this. And I think one of the other things that I, I'd like to kind of point out is I think one of the things that we see as the thread throughout all of these clean and unclean things like the uh the, the man with leprosy the dead the dead girl the hemorrhaging woman like usually when we have like usually the idea of contagion is that pure things become impure because they're in contact with you know, contagious things. I mean, we're so used to this with COVID. Like we, everything we've done in the last two years has been to avoid contagion. Like if we come in contact with the virus, it was all like wash your hands, wear a mask, social distance. We're so over mm. um, and knowledgeable now. We have language around, we don't, about contagion. We don't want to get contaminated with the virus. And that, that works really well for viruses, but it really doesn't work well in moral and spiritual places. Mm. And what we see in Jesus is that when he touches an unclean thing, he does not become unclean, but the unclean thing becomes clean. And when he touches someone who is impure, he does not become polluted, but the impure person becomes pure. And so he reverses this whole idea of what like the trajectory or the movement of clean and unclean. He makes unholy things holy he makes polluted things pure and he makes unclean things clean like it's a total reversal of movement and so there is something there is something in that for us too about Mm -hmm. you know jesus as he comes into these places breaks down all the walls and the movement is to take people to it's always towards cleanness holiness and purity Mm -hmm. in its essence it's never divisive and exclusionary because someone or something isn't good enough yeah and so I see right. that at work and yeah and I feel confront I feel like you know in my own life I feel like what you know that that's confrontational like how do I feel about that this radical Jesus this man of great mercy that everything he touches becomes clean mm. um means me that's beautiful good news for me but it's also beautiful good news for all the people I- like. <laughs> Don't want Jesus to come in contact with me because yeah. it would mess with my system. It would mess yeah. with my tradition. It would mess with my culture. It would mess with my rules. So, yeah. and that's exactly. what Jesus is doing. So,
3: yeah. it's yeah. About, about healing division, isn't it? And, and I think the um, the other, I think that's brilliant what you said. Um, I, I just would like to add a little bit of context regarding Mark's gospel, as you've done. Just thinking about what has just happened in this story and what's about to happen. And mm-hmm. this whole issue of inclusion or not, yeah. exclusion, is being underlined here in this central story because what's just happened is the feeding of the 5,000, which we know was in Israel's territory and with Jewish people, Jewish men, um, and the feeding of the 4,000, which follows this story, which was predominantly in, among Gentiles. And in both cases, Jesus feeds them and there's mm-hmm. a feast that you mentioned earlier, that banquet, that welcome he gives to all there. And this would have been against any understanding of, of many people of what being a good Jew is all about. You don't, you don't mix with Gentiles. Yeah. You don't include them. That's just wrong. And, yeah. and, in, and then also just after the story is the, the, the story of the, the woman, uh, who's Greek and Syrophoenician. Um, so she's three times a Gentile. And she gets bread as well. So there's like, uh, what's going on, Jesus? You're completely ruining our understanding, our mindset of what being good and holy and, and God-loving yeah. involves. You're wrecking everything. But he's absolutely, that's exactly what he's doing. The, those boundaries and barriers that you you mentioned, he's demolishing yeah. those and showing God's love is so much more expensive. Um, and you're right, I too feel completely confronted by that. What about me then and how I feel um, in terms of how I relate to other people? You know, am I exhibiting that overwhelming compassion and generosity? No, probably most of the time not. There's all this stuff within me, cultural stuff, traditional yep. stuff. Um, yeah. Just it's wrong. And God's, I guess God's job in my case is to unfurl that and teach me like he's teaching wow. the disciples here come on mm-hmm. get, get your act together recognize what who God really is God is love frankly
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I think you've both led nicely into the, the the sort of final section really that I wanted to ask about which is Jesus has, has talked about human traditions that detract from God's word and That we should be concerned about what comes out of our hearts but he doesn't tell us how to do it what what would you say to someone who said well without you know spoiler alert what's coming later but um what's the answer i would (laughs) suggest um i i I practice a form of
3: prayer which i'm sure many of the listeners uh, our listeners will know um called the examen prayer which is about asking god to search our hearts Uh, regularly because that's the that's the issue at stake isn't it is what's in our hearts and when I mean it with sincerity God does show up uh, I believe and begins to unpick what is there what's been what's kind of built up as a kind of Mm. I don't know hard encrusted element and you know allows me to recognize that not in a judgmental way not he's not condemning but he nevertheless opens up my eyes and I think Mm. our constantly coming to the lord to ask him to do that is mm. is probably one one way
2: yeah mm. um yeah in light of the thought that oh yeah the thing that comes out here that jesus makes jesus makes unclean things clean he makes yeah. you know polluted things pure i think staying close to jesus is really important because he is going to heal and cleanse and purify everything inside of us um and so that i mean that's an easy thing to say stay close to jesus very cliche but i think one of the things that's helped me is i i i have a a spiritual director and um uh, My previous spiritual director that I had was very much an Ignatian style spiritual director. So it it didn't matter. I could come to her every month and I'd say anything like, this is what's going on or this is what I'm feeling. And without fail, every time she would say, um, you know, where can you, where in the Gospels can you see Jesus uh, feeling that, experiencing that? we would sit together and we kind of like brainstorm our way through the gospels, you know, whether or not I was angry at someone, I was, I was exhausted. I was feeling confused and lost. I was, you know, unforg- like anything, it doesn't name the emotion, name the feeling, name the circumstance. Yeah. She would push me into the gospels. And and sometimes we had to get creative. Like, it was, I mean, but but then she would say now go and be with Jesus in that passage. And and imagine Jesus, how he did that, and then be with Jesus. Let his relationship with the Father be your be your relationship with the Father. And it's sort of like it's a companioning thing, and that the whole idea of and I, I love even that word, like to companion Jesus means to be with bread, and it's almost like to break bread with Jesus in every human experience. To know that, you know, our scriptures say that Jesus has experienced everything and mm. and remained holy to god and that we can stay close to him in like in our challenges in our exhaustion in our anger in our fear in our trauma in our frustrations we can see all of that in jesus we can break bread with him in in those places and stay close and i think if i think if we do that our hearts open and soften and and something happens there
3: yeah and um it's like it's like a Operation like the physician performs an operation from the inside out. That it's what we do on the outside. Like, you know, we can obey all any law under the sun. It's not gonna make any difference to our hearts. Yeah. God has got to come in. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think that's, you know, we can we can do all we can to adjust behaviour. And, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of historically the church has done a lot of attempted behaviour adjustments on people. Only God can transform the heart. And this is what God's talking about in this passage, what Jesus is, its about the heart. It's about it's about being pure of heart. And if you have your heart pure, you don't need to worry about what you're watching or what you're not watching, what you're eating or what you're not eating or where you're going or where you're not going because there's a there's a deeper well that you're living from that's not structurally rule based or tradition or culture, but it's dynamic living, you know, companionship with Jesus. And I think that that's so much harder for us. We prefer rules. Rules are easy. Tell me what to do. Tell me what I have to do. I can tick the box. Yeah. Tell me to be with Jesus in every circumstance, and I will fight and wrestle and resist. <laughs> and yet, that's the only way we're transformed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
1: This uh, podcast is titled The Greatest Story Ever Told. And I was the last question was going to be, Caro, um, you know, you haven't got, you're not going to be here for the, all the whole of the Gospel of Mark. What is it that motivates you? And what is it that causes you to lead a church and um, give your life to this? But I think you've begun to answer that. I don't know if you want to want to add anything to that.
2: Um. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I, and I, I love this in the Gospel of Mark because Mark's so, He's just so good at writing this. But I think we see we see in Jesus a God who is willing to wade into the thick of the mess of humanity and love us and free us from within. Um, that's a very different picture from the, the version of God many of us has as a distant, judging, wrathful God who's expecting holiness and good behaviour. And, you know, I think there are certain parts of the old Testament that seem to allude that God, God can't look on sin. God is too holy, but I don't see that in Jesus. I see someone who just like wants to get his hands dirty into the mess of people's lives, like the real messy stuff and just love them and break bread with them. And to trust that that radical act of hospitality and acceptance and belonging, that's actually what we need as humans to grow and to find freedom. And so I guess seeing and loving a Jesus that does that makes, makes me want to follow him into that. And that's hard and that's messy and I don't always do that well and I feel exhausted sometimes, but I, I just want to be like that, like Jesus. I want to build a, a really wide table where everyone's welcome and no one's excluded based on any definition of their humanity, but, but all can belong and find access to the presence of God. And um, yeah, so I, I think that's what Jesus is and what Mark does so beautifully in his gospel. Thank
3: you so much. Stefan, did you want to add anything to that? I think that was wonderful, Caro, what yeah. you said. Um, I haven't got anything much to add. I think doing what I do in terms of performance is an attempt to introduce people to this amazing person, Jesus. He's made such a huge difference to me personally in terms of helping me, um, helping me in so many different ways, both in terms of character, but also in terms of individual circumstances. He's meant the, the world to me, and I know he loves me on my best days. I know he loves me completely, unconditionally and wholeheartedly and so, so mercifully. I want to be able to introduce this person to as many other people as I possibly can because you're right I think he is the answer I know it sounds cliche but he is the way the truth and the life Mm. he meant it when he said that um and for us
1: um we have this opportunity to 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 talk about him Mm. so Caro and Stefan it's been such a pleasure today and hopefully we'll have started many more conversations among our listeners thank you so much for joining me today Please do join us again or listen to previous episodes on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music platforms. The more of you who like and subscribe, the more people will get to hear about us. And if you'd like to share your thoughts and submit questions for future episodes, it's easy to join the I Am Mark community group on Facebook. If you're not already part of the group, just find us on Facebook and join in the conversation. However, the go-to place is the I Am Mark Facebook page, this is where you can find links to watch previous episodes of Question Mark, find out about upcoming performances and even book Steph to come and do a performance for you. You can also support his ministry and help him get to Edinburgh this summer. That's all we have time for today, sadly. So it's goodbye from Caro Mears. See you later. Goodbye from Stephen Smart. Goodbye. And until next time, goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>
0: If you enjoyed this episode of Question Mark and don't want to miss any future episodes, be sure to click on the subscribe button. This also means other people can find the podcast and join the conversation too. We'd also love if you could leave a review so we know what was good and what we can improve for future episodes. If you want to find out more about I Am Mark, Stefan Smart's solo word-for-word dramatisation of Mark's Gospel, go to www sleek.bio slash where you can sign up for free for his newsletter and a whole host of other goodies. Join us and our special guests next time where we'll continue to explore the greatest story ever told together. If you want to get involved with the podcast or have any questions or comments in the meantime please do get in touch using the I am Mark social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. we light it up we won't come down the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show. Where it's covered in all the colored lights, and the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show.